I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, ahoy, and welcome to Always There, the Howard's Way podcast. I'm Julia Rayside. Thank you for joining me as I navigate through every single episode of the 1980s seafaring soap opera set in the fictional English coastal town of Tarrant. It would be a lonely voyage without you. And joining me today to discuss series three, episode three, is one of my favourite singer-songwriters, and he's now a composer too, Paul Mosley! Hooray! Ahoy! Ahoy, Paul Mosley. <laughs> Welcome aboard, as is traditional. Thank you. It's lovely to have you, you here. So how's you. your lockdown? Bit mental. Yeah. But, you know, pretending it's nice. Pretending it's, it's nice. And, yes. Uh, right. Without further ado, let's get yes. on with talking about Howard's Way. So, Paul, episode three of series three. We started this series in quite a business-like fashion and it does kind of continue for most of this episode. <laughs> we do get a slog, though, so I hope you appreciate yep. that there was at least some, some hot lip action. There was. I'm not a massive... Howard's Way person. What? What do you? What do you? I, I don't understand. What do you mean? I, they, they do exist. <laughs> we walk among you. Um, and my memory of it was that it was more glamorous than this. Uh-huh. It's, it's a bit Econ antique, isn't it? <laughs> How dare you? The clothes they're all sorry. wearing cost thousands of pounds. <laughs> I mean, my memory of it was definitely it was on Sunday nights. Yep. And I think it was clearly on before something that we all watched because I remember seeing the end and hearing the song. Okay, the so yeah, whatever followed it. I should look this up because a few people have said that. Yeah, there was, it might it was have been something. Bread. Maybe I hated but, bread. I don't know why. It's one of those unreasonable <laughs> hatred things where it's perfectly funny and well written and well acted. But I just I couldn't stand it. The theme tune really got on my nerves. The theme tune is particularly awful. It's, just, it's true. Oh. Whereas this one is an absolute cracker. It's a dream, isn't it? It's an absolute. And I dream. was surprised to find how it really builds. I was genuinely a little bit excited to hear that start and go. Oh, here we go. Well, it's, it's, this is the tune. Fellow composer, you know, Simon, you could appreciate Simon May's skill because it is. I can, and I, and I knew his name purely from your podcast, not from ah, anything I remembered. Ah. So Oh, is, oh, this is Simon May. I know that. I know, but I look know, him up. He's May. prolific. He he did so much amazing theme uh-huh. tune work in the eighties. Okay. And there's a bit. There's a bit in the theme tune where it goes like nylon 
guitar bit, which I'd forgotten. And that's a bit like La Luna by Belinda Carlisle. Yes. And then, just before the end, it rips off Sunday Girl by Blondie. Yes, so well... your eyes, Sunday Girl. What you, oh, well, you're the well, second yeah. person to notice this, Paul Mosley, because <laughs> one of my friends, Ali Catterall, who's been on this podcast, uh-huh. for his end-of-the-show song, he simply uh-huh. mashed up. He sung Sunday Girl over Always There. And it was absolutely mind-blowing. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And Damn probably Catterall. breaking a lot of copyright. So I'm sorry, you're not the first. <laughs> but Simon May did start following the, uh, the Twitter account after that, and uh, he hasn't said take it down, so I'm guessing we have his blessing. Excellent. <laughs> I know, excellent. right? So, on with the episode. This one, I mean, it does have a pretty sexy opening. What did you think of the it's sexy insane. opening? It's insane! It's like, what's happening? What's going on? I don't understand. The music is enormous. It, it was huge. It's like this, there's a sax funk solo. It's all absolutely mental. But really briefly. Really briefly mental. Like there's a bit of like some man looking terrified on a, I think, green screen of a yacht. I don't think it's green screen. I think it's real. I think it might be because if it was green screen, it's done really well. Ah. And of course, in its time, it wouldn't have been done that That doesn't sound like how it's way, Paul, to be fair. No, exactly. (laughs) But just there's a bit where they're clearly on the yacht from a side. It's pumping and going mental. Then a shot where they're looking to camera and they just look really odd (laughs) and slightly terrified. And I'm thinking, I don't know what they did there. That's just strange. Someone they just are, walking a static boat. They are pelting across, presumably the Solent. Um, it, uh, really, insane. at high speed, the boat is bouncing along. It's it looks full sort Miami of, Vice. Yeah, it looks kind of dangerous. <laughs> and it does look like the guy playing Ken Masters is driving, piloting. I'm not really of the lingo. Yeah. And the other guy looks absolutely <laughs> shitting terrified. <laughs> <laughs> like Richter's smile. This is good, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> he's supposed to be like a speedboat guy who just sells speedboats and is speedboats. Yeah. And he just looks like he's going to pee his pants. It's very funny. <laughs> really brief and then it's gone immediately yeah. and then we're back to like ah, and, and the music goes and calm down and then the water gets calm and they come into port but it did yeah. get your attention tell me it didn't get your attention oh god yes <laughs> As did, you know what got my attention Ken's v-neck he's wearing like this kind of it's like a I don't know it's like a grey and white sort of snowy pattern just a yes. bit, bit of v-neck but nothing underneath it's, yeah, it's really a look. interesting yes it is a look and so they have this conversation on the pontoon with Mr McIntyre the formerly terrified now unconvincing Scotsman um <laughs> <laughs> and they're playing hardball and Ken's like so do you want us to sell your boats and he's like oh playing hardball are we? it's like no he just asked you okay fine um, and then he says finally he capitulates your commitment and drive have inspired me to say we've got a deal <laughs> It's like, yes. that's how business was done in the 80s. <laughs> yes. I vaguely like your jumper, therefore yes. you're the one for me. You've loosened this my point... sphincter. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even ask, it's fine. Um, and I, I did spot the blocking on that as well, the blocking of the cast all just stood on the pier with yep. a nice Acorn Antiques-esque thing of four Beautiful. people trying to get into one shot. <laughs> lovely <laughs> they, they do quite lot. a lot of um it's like an old rep company they the some of the depending on who the director is sometimes they just do that thing where someone's in the foreground they do it with jan and dulcie gray later where someone's in the foreground kind of looking towards the camera but not at it and someone's in the background also looking towards but not at the camera it's like they're not looking <laughs> yes. at each other or anybody else apparently but they're kind of just they're like on noel coward balconies kind of adjacent yeah. just like looking in different directions <laughs> i love it noel coward balconies is now a thing that's great Comple- it's totally a thing um so then we go to the Howard's house where a hand is holding a flyer (laughs) in close-up. Which we start zoomed in on and and then zoom out gradually. Do you recall the amazing slogan Leo's come up with for his new business? I don't... What was it exactly? I'd like to remind you now. It's, (laughs) does your boat need a new coat for the summer? Oh, there's a little rhyme in there, isn't it? Well done, Leo. It's absolutely lovely. Um, I was mostly just going, who are all these people and who are they to each other? Okay, so um, uh, give me your impressions. Who did you think they were? 
A nana and the mum and a son. Got, got it. that. That's fine. Got it in one. Didn't know they were related to anyone else. Throughout this, there's a lot of names. Yes. Everyone says everyone's names a lot. <laughs> They're um, only trying to help I, you. <laughs> which that, I think that genuinely is what it's for. I think the writers, well, some people are watching this for the first time. So I better keep saying, oh, mum and oh, Leo and yes. oh. And Mr. Arid was in one of them. I was saying, who's Mr. Arid? Who's Mr. Arid? And one of them just says Mr. Howard in a funny voice. Oh, that's it, Mr. Mr. Arid. Bill. Mr. Bill. Arid. <laughs> yeah, Bill is a Mr. salty sea dog. He pronounces yes. things differently. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Mr. And everyone's got names. Uh, and there's a, and I didn't know who anyone was to anyone else. That was the main thing. It's like, that's good. it could be son or lover or grandmother. or But that's good. I'm getting it. I did write a lot of notes. <laughs> there was a oh, lot of good. writing things down. If you have any questions, just please don't be shy. Like, I'm here to help it's fine and, um, and there was very very fast dialogue at this point a lot of exposition was told very quickly loads um, dad, dad's unlucky there's a divorce an unfair divorce there's yep. a deal that businessy Jan does yeah Nana's hair is a bit wiggy but not quite a wig which I noticed as well <laughs> how um, dare you slander Dulcie Gray she looks beautiful Dulcie, she is beautiful but then I did write this is Victoria Wood <laughs> <laughs> I see which way this is going now Paul I do so Leo has been sacked by his own father from the boatyard not sacked more laid off because you know times are hard and there's no orders coming into the boatyard so he's had to lay off his own son uh, which he did rather coldly Jan tells him to think positive she's not terribly good at advising Leo she either says well just get over it or think positive it's like come on I could maybe be a bit more compassionate but she's not that's like an actual mother though that's what mothers tend to do yes I suppose so yeah well brush yourself off tum de tum (laughs) and uh, and then he snarks at her because as you picked up the divorce is imminent the paperwork is imminent and he's still not accepting that his mummy and daddy are going to split up well they have split yeah, up yes. Jan's wearing bold candy stripes I noticed very bold at that point I remembered that in my mind Jan I'd registered that she was in it I thought she was Judy Spires from Pebble Mill oh you know what memory. they do share an aesthetic though <laughs> they because really they're, kind of, they're, they're oh, yeah. slim women with very amazing cheekbones and they did wear some similarly voluminous yes. 80s shapes didn't they yeah they're the same category yeah they just swap around yeah. for sure <laughs> but obviously Jan wins um, so yes Jan is in bold candy stripes uh, she's dressed in a kind of high fashion way because she's going to meet her new fashion designer who's going to she design is. her a collection um, I don't know if you picked up the small detail that her last fashion designer <laughs> was killed in a water skiing <laughs> water skiing accident <laughs> just casually dropped in because my last designer who was killed in a water skiing accident okay i mean it was very traumatic we're laughing but it's very sad it's terrible <laughs> but so terrible. anna if you met her previous episode she's talented but has an oppressive father who wants her to go and work in the family clothing but business so jan is going to have to do some of her sweet talking to yep. get him to basically hand over his daughter. Uh, that's what she's that hoping. Jan magic. She that has only got Jan can do. The old wrestle dazzle. <laughs> then we go to the unhappy Urquhart's house where Gerald is fuming over the credit card statements. Yes, and he says, at least the bourgeoisie have good housekeepers, <laughs> which is a great line. It's a hell of a line. But then his subplot is this has been completely unsaid up until now, but he's ha- he's had something on his mind in a couple of episodes, but something. not said at all. And there is there's one little music sting here ominous music sting as we've gone from um, this uh, I've written down it's a blizzard of names yes lots of people saying their names to each yep. other he's cross because she has uh, she has an allowance but she still spends a lot no she doesn't um, she I just think... has access to the joint account he's like you know shouldn't have given her uh, that I think she's Polly is she Polly? correct good uh, and she's herbo, obviously just Polly <laughs> huge herbo. Uh, she's the 80s 80s person she we've is. seen so far yep. and she's sort of I think we're supposed to not like her I think she's giving him a hard time is that right? correct cool but so then it's just complicated. Ooh, um, he says his name, he says Gerald Edwards speaking. So he's called Gerald. Good, thank you for that. Yeah. Then he says, how long does he have? 
and there's a break in his voice. Well, thank you for letting me know. Please give him my best regards. Right, <laughs> it's like, right. That's cold, Gerald. Who, it's Gerald? Who, Gerald? AF. But clearly he yeah. feels weird because Polly's there. But have you worked out who is being discussed as not having long left? A dad or gay lover? It's either well or. done. I'm pretty sure it's his gay lover. He's never oh. he's never mentioned him. We are aware it's a lavender marriage. That's been made pretty clear ah, from the off. That. Uh, which is why it's confusing in this series. Her kind of plot arc in this series is she's unhappy in her marriage. It's like, but you did know this about... Because li- literally you had to... She basically had sex with his friend to get pregnant oh. because they don't oh. have sex because he's not a heterosexual. <laughs> At least he's not <laughs> oh, well, until Kate O'Mara turns up in series four, I think. Uh, well, then I he would, becomes fully the, heterosexual. Kate O'Mara being the Rani off Doctor Who in my memory there again There you go, well. you see, you know. Uh, and all the way through I was like, well, where's the Rani? This is the Rani's show in my mind. She's I like know. the sexy witch who runs the show. She That's is a sexy witch in everything she's been in. She's been a sexy <laughs> yeah. witch. She's fabulous. But no, but she, she's sadly, I and I thought in my head she was this series, but she's not. She's I think she's series four or series five, maybe even. Ah, yeah, she's she's are. towards the end. So it's probably, yeah, maybe that's when you started being more aware of the show. So anyway, we're at the Eggers house. He's really angry. Then he gets this terrible news. Then she, Polly's like, who's ill? Who's ill? And he just like walks out enigmatically like he won't say. Yes. Clearly, she hoots like an owl. <laughs> I want that as my ringtone. It's fantastic. Then we go to the boatyard where Tom, I think Tom is, now is he on the phone? I think he is. And he's shouting, take Barracuda off the market. (laughs) Because um, now, did you understand what that was about? (laughs) No, I've written, what's Barracuda? What market? Who are these men? Is it just two Nigel Havers? (laughs) There's a bald one, a different bald one from before. Yeah. Avril and Freya and Tom, the Reltons, the Mermaid, <laughs> Mr. Arid, the Yard, the Letter, all exclamation marks. <laughs> Mr. Arid. So I, I, you seem to have a pretty good grasp on this. I think we can just carry on. Um, no, yeah. the, the Barracuda is Tom's ingenious boat design. It was going to be distributed by Avril's company, Relton Reen, but the chairman of Relton is now her ex-boyfriend, the powerful and sexy Charles Freer. And um, Ah. Avril and Tom have recently, like literally in the last episode, they split up. They were a couple. Ah. So he's not very happy. He's been living in a room above a pub, basically had an affair with Avril. His marriage fell apart, blah, 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 blah. But this one shining light in his life was that he designed a boat called the Barracuda, which was going to go into mass production. The the Little Mermaid Boatyard can't do that, but the big company, Ralta Marine, could produce it for them. Got you. But then tragedy struck last series. (gasps) The catamaran that Tom designed, it crashed. Well, it sank or whatever boats do. Um, (laughs) It went in the water, but not. In like, but like right in it, and, in a bad um, way. <laughs> and a man died. Oh. Yeah, so there was an inquest, That's... and now there's a lot of discussion about whether the design was at fault because it was like a prototype. And so Tom's reputation is on the line. Meanwhile, the big company won't make Barracuda until they're sure that he's good designer, not bad designer. Yes, That's and I had by the end, I'd kind of got a lot more of this. These notes oh, are kind of were live. These are live notes. Yes. So as I'm saying, who, who the hell? I have eventually worked out some of the internal relationships. Brilliant. So I've wasted my breath, is what you're saying. Okay, good. No, no, but um, the other. other Listeners will enjoy this. <laughs> they will. They'll be like, "Oh, Julia, get on with it. We know this. We love Harrisway." Anyway, yeah, they do. so Tom basically knows. I mean, he's paranoid, but he's right. Charles Freer is trying to screw him over. He's trying to trash his reputation so that he basically goes out of business, and um, yeah. it's working so far. Then we go to Charles's fuck boat. I'm sorry for the swearing, but there's so many different boats, and this one became the fuck boat in series one, and now it just needs to be. I mean, well, if, if anyone has a better name for it, please, you know, I, then I'll stop swearing. But I, just, I like got an swearing. actual name, hasn't it? it might 
have an actual. Oh, do you know it probably has. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen. It's where I think when we first meet Charles Free, he come he hoves into view driving said boat. It's you know it's his it's his penis and it is where he brings <laughs> ladies for. <laughs> so because uh, yeah. it's got like you know quarters downstairs, <laughs> not oh, a yeah. euphemism. <laughs> anyway, at the moment it's a business boat, not an F boat. Yes. So he's with it's Gerald. It's very business. Completely. The chat just goes business things, business things, business things. It does. It does. It and, does. And there's a foreign baddie, which I remember from this. Because I was like, yes, there's always a foreign. He baddie was in fully hello, hello, though, was he not? Like, yeah. unconvincing a European, not specifically from anywhere. And then he does. He does say, says, we Swiss. <laughs> we Swiss do not inquire too closely where the money comes from. Like that's a thing exactly. in Switzerland. They don't really like check financial <laughs> shit. They just like Ugh. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's not a we thing. We Swiss. He's Swiss. <laughs> <laughs> that was what I was mostly going, oh, he's Swiss. Yes, he could have said, business, we Belgians, business. we Luxembourgians, <laughs> exactly. like he could have said anything. Leicestershire folk. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's called Werner, so I was really hoping that was like a nod to Herzog. So in my mind, yeah. for the rest of this now, it's Werner Herzog. Your, your consortium is insignificant. <laughs> <laughs> I love Werner Herzog and everything he says. Not his films so much, but just him being interviewed, it's funny. Exactly, um, yeah. So uh, th- this very unconvincing European man, he is discussing bringing a consortium to invest in Charles's business park. So yes. they're kind of, they're, I don't really understand. And a business park. But have you, did you grow up in any way that was near a business park? They're yeah. Just, they are the, not glamorous places. They're no, just, it's an industrial estate. <laughs> yes. There's a skip and some offices and, um, and they cost about top and tape me. Like, that's not a business to invest in. It's like, Car parks would be better. Right, okay. So then, uh, maybe, maybe we'd be more excited if they were talking about a car park. But it just <laughs> seems like the driest thing. Like they, there's a marina development. That's how that's a bit sort of yacht and flash but like yes. can you not just build like a big sexy hotel or something like what yeah bit exactly. of business pool. it's a bit boring uh, also hotel immediate spin-off in a hotel there you could have done all sorts with that oh my god you see it could have been like a crossroads motor maybe that's why they avoided the hotel uh, because maybe, the comparisons maybe. would have been unkind anyway uh, <laughs> and then at this point my main note is gerald should keep his glasses on so i know who he is oh okay so that helps you with like the yes, do you have like yeah. a facial recognition problem or something well the, the they all just look like people from the 80s. <laughs> Paul, I hate, to, I hate to break this to you. They are people from the 80s. People from the 80s. Oh, they've got me there. The best, did you notice the best thing about this scene before we leave the fuckboat? The best thing was the character of Nicola. Don't think we've met her before. Or if we have, she was played by a different actress in the last series because I don't, I've never seen this woman before. Nicola is asked to get Werner another drink while Charles goes off to his meeting. And she gets a line. This must have been the height of Nicola's oh. like career. She says... Certainly, what would you like? <laughs> she puts like a T on the beginning of the word would in, in a way that that's very Mrs. Overall. It was so, I couldn't, I mean, I know you'll appreciate, but it's just, I don't like the Acorn Antiques comparisons because, you know, you can just do it all day, but it, that was really specifically, what is it, Muselet? <laughs> <laughs> See, again, I didn't know she wasn't a regular person. No. It's just a blizzard of names and people going... Nicola. Yo, Nicola. Remember that her. name. She's going <laughs> she, places. She's going places <laughs> on a yacht. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, then there's a lot of vouching, I put. There's a lot of vouching. Ba- yeah, they vouch a lot there. And who vouches for Grunwald? That was Werner, apparently. Not Herzog. Grunwald. <laughs> vouch, vouch, vouch. End of scene. And scene. And there's a lot of that as well. Scenes just end because we've run out of things to say. Yes, <laughs> I know. don't build for anything. Just, and, now, and then something else comes yeah, on. Yeah, almost, I, I would say 50% of the scenes in Howard's Way end with, let's meet for lunch to talk about that, or let's meet for dinner to talk about that. Like, that's, that's <laughs> how they get out of places. Supper, <laughs> yes, obviously with the yacht club. It's really funny. They just suggest a meal as a way of saying, it's over. One of us should leave. <laughs> 
<laughs> they overuse meals in this I've noticed a lot then we go to Rolton Marine where Tom obviously with like steam coming out of his nostrils has gone to visit his very recent ex Avril who has basically canned production of his boat now at this <coughs> point I thought they did a little joke because I thought I didn't spot that Linda wasn't the other woman um, so I thought he walked in and then the, then the intercom goes and goes Mr Howard's here to see you as if she was a rubbish receptionist and that was like a deliberate joke of, oh look what they've done there but no they just changed scene and I hadn't noticed they just made everyone... the receptionist look a lot like her boss which is a mistake <laughs> yes. like but make her a blonde just something yeah, different exactly. just look make her look different yes there was no differentiation <laughs> at all anyway joke is over Tom is furious and oh, the subtext obviously isn't it's not just a business thing she's now magically free and not in a relationship with Tom anymore and working very closely under Charles Freire. And Tom obviously can see the way the wind's blowing. And so he's doubly pissed off because, one, he's lost his woman to the baddie. And Indeed. two, the baddie's also trying to screw his career. So at this point, my no- main note was, ah, Frey, not Freya, it's a second name. Oh, <laughs> yes. I was, one of the women was called Freya in my mind at this point. But no, again, I'm, I'm getting there. By the end, I kind of had it. But this oh, is all... Good. Yeah, you know. It just takes a while. But like you say, there's a lot of reminders. You know, they don't like anyone to get left behind. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> then we go to Mr Lee's sweatshop. <laughs> we do. It's like Baldwin's knicker shop from Coronation Street. But with is. Bird Quok. <laughs> Bird Quok's Mike Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> it's really unexpected, isn't it? Um, yeah. There's a lot of women sitting at very noisy sewing machines looking downtrodden. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and he's in a business suit and he's um, irascible and all cross and just everything makes him yes. cross. And Jan's there to try and sweet talk him. Like, there'll be no sweet talking. Look at him. He's impenetrable and just about Absolutely. his family business. But she's there to try and poach his daughter as her new designer. And her, by way of persuasion, she says to him, she could become one of Britain's top designers. <laughs> <laughs> Like when they do the charts, she'll be like in the top ten or five. <laughs> and I put down that Anna's at art college. She is a daughter. Anna's a daughter. Anna is a daughter. There. So you're taking yeah. away all the important stuff. Like you're not missing anything. Yeah. And her previous designer was killed in a water skiing accident. <laughs> yes. And that job is cursed. So God knows how she's going to oh, die. But um, yeah. Don't want that. No. And then there's lots of specifics about the textile industry that are probably very important and are why she could or couldn't have Anna on her team. Yeah. Got that as well. It's basically. Uh, he's paid for her to go to art college which seems like an uncharacteristic thing for one so oppressive to allow her to go to art college but he basically did it so she can design clothes for his sweatshop I mean factory Um, (laughs) and it's intimated that he makes rather low end clothing like nothing like Jan's interested in but she cuts the deal by saying that her fancy pants designs could maybe be after they've had a season in the you know London fashion week or whatever she might fill some of them down to him for mass production for your cheap and nasty stuff what you sell off the market (laughs) so TK Max, basically. She invented TK Max she without knowing She did, it. she did. So that seems to pique his interest and he does his I'm interested face. <laughs> but Quark likes that. <laughs> but Quark really likes that. And he, he doesn't leave you in any doubt about that. No. <laughs> so now I'm interested to know what you made of the Amanda and Leo situation. So the next scene is that Amanda's yes. waiting outside resplendent on her convertible sports car and he pulls up on a motorbike. Yes, she's sexy Dawn French and she sexy has a boat that needs revarnishing. And that's quite, uh, that's, that's like double sexy. He's Dawn French. I think most people agree sexy. is damn sexy. And then add she on top is. of that, that she sort of got a, I'm so naughty, look at my, yeah. <laughs> in her eyes. Yeah, well, she is, just remind me of Dawn French doing a character who is a, a tart. But did you, <laughs> no, absolutely. Did you, did you watch Hello, Hello? Yes. I don't understand how people don't recognise her from Hello, Hello. So she's Maria, the sexy third waitress in Hello, Hello. Oh, is she? Who's also having an affair with Renee. And she looks yeah, exactly she the same, but people are like, she oh my God, what's she? It's like, yes, what, wrong with 
you. It's the yeah, same actress. but she left and was replaced by the very short woman, wasn't she? Mimi. Well? <laughs> Mimi. So uh, I think Mimi's usurped in my mind. But Francesca Gonshaw, who's the actress who plays Amanda in this, I think she left a low low to do Howard's way. Ah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what happened. I, I believe that's yeah. the timeline, so that's why she had to be replaced. So there's a lot. Talk of the TV Times at the time. I bet it was. We've, you can establish in this she's sexy, she's crazy, and she's just shameless about showing her interest in Leo, who yeah. I don't know about you, and you know, the listeners of this podcast are, are split down the middle on this one. I'm not sure if I would expend that much energy chasing Leo. Mate, <laughs> the note I've got here is men in the 80s were ugly, the women were fabulous. <laughs> no, I was like, he's nice enough, but come on. She would not throw herself at that. It's not so much the way, because I guess, you know, they sort of started to look a bit like somebody in an 80s band or something. But he's just sort of very, I don't want to say insipid, but he is insipid. <laughs> he's not a sort of, I mean, maybe she likes the look of him because he's pliable and she just wants someone to control, but he is not someone who inspires a predation by a kind of sexually powerful woman. I just, I don't understand the dynamic at I'm, all. I'm loving that you've given it that much thought. Oh, That's brilliant I mean, that you've established the needs to be a reason why she wants him and it must be something psychologically yeah. in-depth oh, rather than convenient for the plot. Yeah, no, I'm doing, I'm writing a book about narcissism at the moment, Paul, and I believe oh, that she may you be... You would. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I think she is somewhere on the narcissistic spectrum, I diagnose. I'm, I am a professional, I'm not. <laughs> I've read a few things on the internet, but I, I am an expert now, so ask me anything. Oh, um, I, have, I do. I do have questions about that, but perhaps for later, different podcast. That's perhaps. fine. We'll have a, we'll, we'll have a Zoom chat after. Um, <laughs> so Amanda, she's always trying to like. So in last episode, she tricked him to come on a boat with her, uh-huh. um, and then it turned out she'd stolen the boat because she's crazy. And the, pol- she's the police, crazy. literally in another boat, pulled them over to like a side bit of the sea. <laughs> Did they wind down an imaginary window? (laughs) Yes, yes. It was hilarious. Um, So he's still angry with her for that, but obviously, you know, his his nubbin is twitching uh, in her direction, despite the fact he hates her. He hates her, he loves her, he hates her, he loves her. Oh, I see, I see. I didn't really get that from his acting. No, no, because I think at this point it's still very confusing. He still seems to just hate her. As you would, she's really annoying and weird and kind of obsessive and stalky and she won't leave him alone. So then she says she needs her boat painting. She doesn't need her boat painting. But, you know, and and that isn't even a euphemism. She could have made more of that, I felt. Like, I need my boat painting. (laughs) But no. Um, Anyway, so they get on the back of his motorbike and go off to look at this supposed boat that she needs painting. Hold tight. Is this tight enough? Oh, she's terrible. (laughs) She is terrible. That's exactly it. Her name might as well be terrible. Um, Also, she's the one person whose name isn't mentioned. Everyone else is very clearly signposted. So do you not know what she's called? She's Sexy Dawn French. Sexy Terrible Dawn French. She's called Amanda, (laughs) but you don't need to know that because she's just Sexy Terrible. Anyway, then we go to the speedboat showroom (laughs) where... They're not leisure cruisers! (laughs) <laughs> they not are cruisers. having a furious row. So Ken furious. is the V-neck man. Mark is the man he's currently cuckolding. If you didn't get that information, took me a while, but yes, I did. Didn't yeah. know Mark's name, but yes. <clears throat> so uh, yes, Sarah's kind of there in the middle. That's the woman who's clearly having it off with Ken. And yes. Ken is basically trying to drag their company down market and sell basically I know plastic boats on the market. <laughs> and um, Mark is sort of like a speedboat racer who only wants to sell to his posh friends. And so there's like the, the push and pull between commerce and reputation. And, Indeed. And, but really, you just want to know what the, those two are up to in the sack. That's far more interesting. <laughs> Hasn't been nearly enough of that in the last two episodes. There's a lot of talk about trust. And Mark's trying to use the euphemism of his customers trusting him to sort uh-huh. of throw a little stone at Sarah and Ken's greenhouse. Because she says, he knows. He knows. 
things. But the thing is, he's so impotent. Like, he's so impotent. He, he just walks around with his thing in his hand. It's been cut off and handed it back to him. Um, <laughs> He, do, he doesn't right. He doesn't ever say, don't shag my wife. You, stop shagging that man. You're married to me. He just goes, mm, something about trust. <laughs> and then minces off. It's like, mate, just do something. But he doesn't. Yes, a lot of impotent men, men who aren't powerful in Howard's way. There's no middle ground. They're either powerful or yes. utterly without peens. Peens. I just had them all as being, they're all just Nigel Hayes in different wigs, including a bald wig There's a bald, and an old wig. <laughs> They're just varying degrees of Nigel Havers. Did he just dominate the 80s for you, Nigel Havers? He did. He's, yeah. he's the epitome. Yeah, he's, he's still got it, Nigel Havers. Anyway, yes. Perry Plus then. So this is the name of the boutique Jan owns. And her mum, as well as being on her feet all day running the shop, she also manages to get home before Jan to cook her a kind of gourmet dinner yes. every night as well. So she's just I've written down, Nana's got a job. Then thought, or is she just on the phone? Can't tell. <laughs> And then there's a Jack. Someone's called Jack. Jolly Sailor. I know that because it's on Julia's podcast. Yay! That's the pub. <laughs> it is. And it's a lovely pub too. And they clearly got a nice sunny day to film there. Kate's on the phone. She arranges to go and see Jack because he obviously wants to talk to his friend about what's going on with his boatyard, etc. And Jan reveals that she has sweet-talked Mr. Lee round and Anna starts tomorrow. Woo-hoo! Because things move fast in fashion. You can't hang around. Um, and off camera. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like I wasn't entirely convinced by her picture to him but clearly he was and then Jan as usual is dashing between meetings and she's due at the bank in half an hour she's always due at the bank in half an hour always business, asking business, for money business, yeah. business, yes. and, and sometimes it she has sounds a bank- like a genuine Picasso but I'd have to see it to be sure <laughs> <laughs> goodbye <laughs> I'm, 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 sorry. I'm slandering my favourite programs. I, I, I have to point out as well, I do get that like things are just from a different time. It's not God, like I think absolutely. it's hilarious. It's just like, that's, of course it's like that. But there are, like. You can't help but notice the comparisons. It's impossible. Indeed. So she's due at the bank in half an hour. She's going to go and ask for loads of money because, and she's already done this once. She's had the bank manager round to her house. Oh. And kind of opened a bottle of wine, but then didn't give many. Um, <laughs> just what she's like. But so people don't just have one meeting; they have a series of meetings to establish the same thing. And lunches and dinners and dinners and lunches. Yes. So I imagine there'll be dinner and lunch for the bank manager to follow this meeting at the actual bank. But she's going to ask for a large loan because she wants to big up her fashion empire and turn it from one boutique into a chain of boutiques. And that's why she needs a great designer to roll out her plans for domination. Perimenopause, um, it's called. Exactly. It is perimenopausal <laughs> plus size women. That's where, that's where they get their clothes. <laughs> now, and then just before Jan leaves, Kate shows her the newspaper, in which is an now, do article. You think, do you think we noticed the article in the newspaper? Do you think they drew our attention to that enough? I mean, it's subtle, but I don't know about you, I did get the gist. <laughs> <laughs> there is the zoom of all zooms into the newspaper and it goes on for quite a long time. It does go on a long time because they want you to read it because it's whoever did that headline wasn't a professional journalist or indeed a sub-editor. <laughs> so it's a very, very long headline and then a long stand first about how local entrepreneur, millionaire businessman Sir Edward Freer is offering grants to local community businesses in the community who are local, the money and the... Blah, 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 blah. And it's, <laughs> yes. uh, it, it goes on a bit. But the general gist is, oh, look, someone's handing out free money. Maybe you should go and see him. And, Jan's and his like, surname freer as well so remember that people <laughs> yes but obviously don't, if you don't know this the history yeah. Jan has with the Freer family is that at the end of series one her daughter the beautiful Lynn who was quite young then was dating Charles Freer and then she walked in on him in bed on the fuckboat with his wife and uh, she fled uh, the fuckboat in tears slipped over banged her head on the pontoon and fell in the drink and was in a coma for quite some time after that she wasn't well at all. So the name Freer doesn't inspire anything other than like, uh-oh, with Jan. Yeah. 
But that's all about to change, Paul. (laughs) Um, Anyway, then we go to the yacht that Amanda is trying to get Leo to paint for her. And she's still persisting with this really barefaced seduction. And he's just kind of like, he's not even flirting back. He's just sort of smiling, going, what? (laughs) Like he doesn't understand what's going on. But I've got a warm feeling in my tummy. I think I'll just stay here. (laughs) He just doesn't seem to engage with people like normal humans do. He's a very odd boy. Anyway, so we leave them there, sort of not getting it on with each other. And then we go to Highfield, the Grand Manor, and the, the seat of the Freya clan. So it's where Sir Edward lives. And he's recently returned from abroad where he was playing golf. He and he's playing there. Golf for pocket money, for pocket money, 50 or 100, say, pocket <laughs> money. These are posh men. Do you understand that? Do you yes, understand? Do. These, the Thank stakes you. for them are, poof, it's peanuts. <laughs> so Sir Edward and Sir John, my favourite thing is that they're walking arm in arm through the corridors of the house. <laughs> like, there's no explanation for why. I mean, they're old friends, it's very sweet but like I've never seen two grown men do that in that social setting in that it's just it was really odd Sir Edward's in this lovely sort of blue v-neck looking quite like you know he's off to the golf course and um, Sir John his elderly retainer is kind of just linking arms with him I was was trying to work out who was supporting who like who's a bit wobbly who needs a bit of it was really it was just it was sweet but a bit odd like businessmen just skipping off after their meeting (laughs) (laughs) like the end of Morecambe and Wise it was just bizarre and and then 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 we cut to them outside and they've just quickly stopped linking arms like that's that's enough of that like we're not doing that now and they they discuss playing golf for pocket money and then uh, Edward as if the newspaper article hadn't made it clear enough Edward (laughs) explains he's going to be offering money to local businesses and Sir John kind of suggests oh that are you trying to get in with the local authority and you know because if he wants to build stuff then it's nice to be on the right side of the planning people I don't know it Um, was business blah blah business blah blah wasn't it really (laughs) a lot of business blah blah he's a businessman we wouldn't understand (laughs) Julia this is business business my mate bought a toaster we go through celebrities amazon purchase histories so you don't have to keep calm and love dom jolly novelty key ring yeah, and fridge that. magnets yeah, I love that. the g-spot <laughs> the good vibrations guys <laughs> Green dot laser sight rifle gun scope. I've bought that quite a lot of times. Right, okay. The sex doctor's guide to keeping it hot. Ah, interesting. Did another child come along nine months later? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Loads of great apps up now and new ones dropping every Monday. That's My Mate Bought a Toaster from Great Big Al. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Then we go to the Jolly Sailor. And normally outside the Jolly Sailor, it's like really windy and grey and everyone's in kind of sunglasses trying to pretend it's hot and bright. But this time it actually is. Very Um, loud seagulls. Very loud. Yes, I think... Now, I've been to the Jolly Sailor because it's kind of in a river estuary. Like a, you know, it's Uh an inlet. It's, I mean, obviously all the boats are moored behind it, but it's not at sea, it's inland. And I wasn't sure if there were any seagulls. I think they may have added those (laughs) just to make it a bit more seasidey. Whack up the gulls. A bit more gull. A bit more gull. Do you know what? The fact that we noticed them means I think they whacked them right up. <laughs> yeah. They did. Exactly. And Jack is moaning about said, Avril to Kate. So I was saying, Kate, is Kate Nana? No, that's a different Nana. This is, Or is it the same Same one? Nana. Uh, were, you confused, were you confused by the jaunty hat? <laughs> I think I was. I think the hair I thought was a wig now looks quite stylish. So that's that's or um. Well, they've just styled it differently to accommodate. She's like it's, it's like perched at a jaunty angle. This sort of it's not oh. it's not a cloche. It's not a beret. It's a something. It's like a little cream tilted affair perched atop her barnet. It's lovely. Beautiful. There's always little touches of like old because she is Dulcie Gray. Um, is a, a star of stage and screen from you know times gone by, and yes. she always slightly looks like she's still dressing for like a 1940s sort of um pot boiler British drama. I, I love I love yeah. the way she looks so much anyway she gives Jack a pep talk and jolly well peps him up and tells him to go and just jolly well get some more business okie dokie another gin uh, and then we leave them there and then we go to Relton Marine where Charles and Avril are walking and talking I think this is where Aaron Sorkin got the idea for this because yeah. I don't think I've seen it anywhere before that and I'm pretty sure he watched Howard's Way when he was a kid so almost definitely yeah, yeah. Uh, and basically Charles is giving Avril a dressing down because of something I can't remember what now is it something to do with the catamaran or the oh no Zurich. no that's right Zurich's no, no, that's mentioned. right. The unconvincing Scottish man has taken oh, yeah. his business to Ken Masters in his V-neck and away from Relson Marine. Got you. And so he's Got like, you. how did you let that one go? And, you know, bad and gives her a snap. But basically, just like Shag already. Shag already, just get on <laughs> with it and have sex. My God. She's managing director. I know that now. She's told me that. She said, I'm managing director. Yes. And they lost a deal. Gerald was on the phone. I know him with or without glasses. I know Gerald. Well he's done. On the phone. <laughs> saying Zurich who's what's the thing that sounds like David Siemens there's an order from David Siemens but it's not that David Siemens the goalkeeper Davis Cre- <laughs> yeah Davis Creemans maybe it's, it's like that's there's an Literally order literally no from, idea there was some one of the companies just had a name that sounded a bit like David Siemens let's, let's, let's it, say it is the goalkeeper didn't he actually play for Southampton because <laughs> that would actually work he's local maybe uh, it was let's say it was I'm not I assumed sure. it wasn't but like, now it is no it is it is Good. it's the goalkeeper he wanted a boat moving on um, oh. <laughs> Gerald the post the post Postman's at my door, Julia. Can I go and answer it? Oh my god, totally. Tell me what you got. This is so thrilling. Hang on. (laughs) Open it live on air. Paul received confirmation of an appointment and an item he'd ordered for his partner's birthday. Sorry, back to Howard's way. Howard's way. Howard, um, Howard's barely in it, is he? No, I mean, he is later covered in stubble and uh, sleeping in a paint shed. But, you know, he's, oh, the, the mighty has fallen. Yes, exactly. We'll right. come to him in a minute. So sexual tension bubbles between Charles and Avril. Yes. Gerald then calls. And he's got some information about Zurich. So clearly the whole Werner Herzog thing is kicking off big style. Yeah. He's been asked to do some oh. digging around that. So he's coming back with his uh, information. Then we go to the yard where Tom is very closely inspecting the model of the catamaran that has caused all the problems in his life. 
Ah, um, cool. Yeah. That didn't know that. I just, he was looking rugged and kind of more earthy and, and trustworthy than everyone else has so he, far. He is that guy. And he actually, yeah. he gets hotter this series. Like the, the, the more sort of down on his luck he gets, like the more I fancy him. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but nah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, or your husband. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, li- I like to keep him just sort of like slightly on the edge of alcoholism and his business may or may not fail. And then I'm just like, that's it. That's the sweet spot right there. Yeah. Now buy a boat. <laughs> <laughs> no, ba- make a boat. Design one. Oh, oh <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and at this point, uh, a solicitor is called, and he's called Tony. But I have now learned to filter out the fact that Tony's probably not an important name. He is not important. I, I don't think we ever see him again. Good. I, I think I think I'd worked it out. Going, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're saying a name. I'm going to forget that name immediately. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Tom gets the call from his solicitor to say, I mean, they're stringing this one out. So I think he tried to appeal to get the wreckage of the boat to examine himself, so that he could mount a defence that it wasn't his fault. The yes. catamaran didn't sink because of him, and then not releasing the wreckage to him and so he's really pissed off because he can't you know he can't show any evidence in his own favour but it just seems to be like yeah we get it this is the non-going ah, yawn fest get to the exciting bit so Tom then reveals he can't even afford his room over the Jolly Sailor pub he's been staying in a room at the Jolly Sailor yes. he's now run out of money like I don't really know quite how this has happened but um, <laughs> he, he could sell his car or something I mean he's got he's got a few assets lying around so Jan's kind of in the marital home he's left that I'm sure he could just go to Jan and say sell the house yeah. bitch <laughs> I need somewhere to live but he's Tom he's so nice he's not doing that so he's going to sleep on the floor of the paint shed it was a paint I couldn't tell what it was saying but I knew it was bad paint yeah, shed it's yes, like, it's not, not somewhere sense. you'd want to sleep basically it's not, not habitable then we go to contrast leisure cruise Ken is calling Jan to he basically is. taunt her because if and you again, hadn't worked out they used to and um, <laughs> I was doing a rude gesture then <laughs> she was a very rude gesture <laughs> and quite a specific one too yes um, at this point I was getting that he was keeping his shares she didn't want him to he was pretending that that was all right and she was pretending it was all right so i guess there was some sexual tension there. exactly he just likes having yes. a hold over her and the only hold he has now because she's kind of kicked him into touch with the old romantic thing is that he does still own a bit of her business and she just wanted it back because yeah. she wants him gone that ain't gonna happen so anyway we then go to highfield where i think edward's now just on his own playing with a golf club alone <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it's him a golf club and on the table there's a, there's a bottle of whiskey so that's, how, that that's rich, what he does for fun that's what rich people do you, just, you can just golf alone it doesn't matter Brilliant. no one else is rich enough to understand the rules yeah. of my golf game I like to Only imagine there's, there's like a faithful retainer just hovering below shot holding up the golf ball and <laughs> continually getting his fingers whacked because he can't hit straight so Charles arrives in the back of his chauffeur driven car he, he starts the scene yeah of course but he starts the scene kind of shouting his dialogue through the window like he doesn't even wait till he gets out of the car it's like we could just you know see you get okay no fine you're your man in a hurry um, and also at this point I realised he reminded me of the bloke who played the rest home owner on Waiting for God oh it's not him it's not him oh he now you're going to make me Harvey off of Waiting for God maybe the Stephanie Cole oh, that rings a bell he had a look of him and he wasn't him but that's like, that's, that's just who another you've been. Nigel Havers in a different wig and suits they all of those suits didn't they in the 80s that were very um, yeah. square and boxy oh yes that was the fashion so Sir Edward, he's surprised to see Charles because they don't really get on. I don't know if you got that. Picked and, up. <laughs> and Charles asks him, he's trying to dig about Werner Herzog and asks him if he knows him. He's like, oh, no, I don't think I've ever... Uh... 
Um, yeah, exactly. And I wrote and I down the various, the various names I thought he was called. Bernard Grimble, Werner Grunhout, <laughs> Gomez Truss. <laughs> the various pronunciations of, the, of Werner Herzog's name. Perfect. Bernard Grimble, Werner Grunhout and Gomez Truss. I think he can be all of those. <laughs> Gomez Truss. Nice. I like that. So Mr Truss is apparently not known to Sir Edward. They're basically trying to snoop each other out. They're trying to work out yeah. what the other one's doing. But there's no straight talking and they don't tell each other the truth. And nope. then he just, I think he just leaves again doesn't he so, and whenever his dad offers him a drink he always says no thank you like no you're going to poison it of course not yeah. <laughs> there's just been, there is, yeah he won't accept anything from Sir Edward he literally not even a drink then back at the Urquhart's house Polly is singing she's really singing proper Mrs O stuff that <laughs> it was because she's I mean she's not she's always unhappy so she's not one to unless she's like high or she's on tranks or something she doesn't tend to express joy in any way at all and then it turns out she's specifically after Gerald has said stop spending money can't spend any more money now I'm going to take away your no more money and she's like oh, yeah. she's bought all of a department store and is unpacking it in the front room from Corelli's window <laughs> yes exactly and she says I've been shopping like she knows this is going to cause a row she's an absolute yeah. arsehole and no and one's mentioning the dying person still We're not re- no reference to the earlier phone call Gerald's not, not yet gone about his day because because Gerald then. has to yes yeah, so I, I actually forgot that he's been in so many other scenes with other characters <laughs> and never once have they allowed him like a wistful far away look <laughs> or a chew of a pen no. or a should I call, should I not call? nothing and then brilliantly and this is you, the prefiguring here is just there's no subtext she hands him a beautiful vase that she loves and she's just bought and it's very expensive and you're, you're giving it to your husband who hasn't yet said anything but you know he doesn't like you spending money this is yeah. not a wise move and, <laughs> and the then, music tells us this too it kind of does I can't remember what the music does in this scene but it yeah it's it a always, short suspenseful thing you know what's coming even if you don't know why turns out it was the music I didn't even pick up on that I was looking at it going oh he's going to smash the vase in a minute that'll be fun <laughs> and then he smashes the vase he throws it in the fireplace he does a good thing He does. it's alright that's, that's Gerald does some acting. I was, I was on board with the acting. It was there, good acting and it was a moment of drama. And I just feel like they're not understanding the charm of their own series here because they normally intersperse the business talk with a lot more... I mean, there's too much flirting. There's not enough actual banging. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> No one bangs, obviously, in Howard's Way. They do it behind a veil curtain. But there's no snogging. There's no... Oh, it's just... Come on. It's a soap. I mean, they're, maybe they're trying to not acknowledge that it's a soap. But it is, yes. at this point, becoming quite soapy. It's so very just soapy, yes. Give in. Give in to the soap. So, yes, he smashes this vase. Obviously, Polly's sort of horror-stricken. But then she does actually soften quite quickly and ask him, you know, look, it's the phone call, isn't it? Do you want to talk? And he just... Hooray! Someone mentions the phone call, but no. I know, but he just, he can't. He just can't. But the thing is, she does know that he's a homosexual who goes to their flat in London to meet other homosexuals and presumably they do do homosexual things together. That's Um, where they live. They live in London, the homosexuals. Well, I know, and that's where you have to go to meet them because they don't have it in Southampton. Um, (laughs) Just down (laughs) the road. (laughs) They haven't spread to Southampton yet (laughs) as a thing. Um, But no, it's really weird because she uses the flat. It's implied loads of times she uses the flat to meet men, although we've never actually seen her do that. And he uses the flat to kind of entertain men as well. And it's obviously been strongly implied here that he's got a, a special somebody, not just like a what a crush, it's like or a fling. He's a, he, This is a significant person to him. Indeed. But, you know, he's still... It's, it's odd that he won't talk to her about it. I guess he just feels too, like, you know, it's just too much emotion. He doesn't let the floodgates open. Um, it's possible 
we are doing that thing of being of our time and matters of that time and maybe things just really were I vaguely remember yeah. it and yeah things were definitely a lot more unspoken even though it was really bloody obvious totally unspoken no mm-hmm. quite so and but I, I just assumed because of the way that they had arranged their marriage I assumed yes. it was something they could talk about but clearly yes not even the two of them so Charles turns up at Avril's new very swanky kind of modernist very waterside yes. apartment so she's gone up the she's managing director now she was living like a little thatched cottage before it was actually called Thatched Cottage. Oh, no, it didn't have a thatch, that's right. It was called Thatched Cottage. There was a sign on the gate, but there was no thatch. So now she is. She's gone up in the world. She's living somewhere swanky. And Charles has brought her a gift. A carefully chosen picture. A carefully chosen picture. Chagall. I don't know if that's a real thing. Like, a, is, is he a real yeah. artist? Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm such beautiful. an ignoramus. Anyway, so a genuine... It certainly looks like a genuine Chagall, but I have to... I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't help myself. Uh, he buys her an original painting and it's implied that they went to an ex exhibition probably in New York I think they used to live in New York when they were at it they've been at it before this is like a previous relationship he broke her heart and he keeps trying to a Chagall yeah. followed by Mozart, a perfect day. A perfect day. If that's day. a perfect day, there's probably more to it than that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then we bone till Christmas. Um, <laughs> a perfect day. <laughs> but he's trying, he keeps trying to prod her. Like sometimes he's just, you know, talking to her about business or, you know, putting her in her place or whatever in the office. And then other times it's like he turns on the romantic strings and just sort of goes for it. And yeah. I was like, oh, at last we're going to get some snogging. No snogging, nothing at all. No. Uh, and he just sort of goes and she invites him to stay for supper. And I was like, oh, Oh, no, he's got, he's got a house guest. Like, that's yeah. a thing. And um, it was a long scene. There was a lot of words, uh, but it was also quite helpful for me because it did reiterate everything. Like, okay, so your, she knows your dad's in town. You know you've just talked to him. Yep. You are his son. That's been said explicitly now. Got that. Business things, business things. They have supper, not tea. I know this because they're middle class in the 80s. They're middle um, class in the 80s. If they have <laughs> supper, if they, if they eat at home in the evening, it's supper. Yes. If they go out, it's dinner. Ah, very good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a helpful but long scene and there was a gentle nylon guitar sequence which referenced the theme tune at that point oh yes they do that sometimes he he brings in like little romantic refrains from the main theme it's delightful now the most exciting thing to happen in this episode is that when charles goes to make a drink for himself i don't think it's happened since i don't think it's happened before he puts ice in his glass (gasps) he has a drink with ice now people don't have ice that Ken serves up martinis at room temperature. Like, it's disgusting. It's offensive <laughs> to me, personally. But in this scene, Charles goes to Avril's... Everyone's got a bar in their house, obviously. Goes to Avril's bar and says, do you mind if I... And helps himself to a whiskey. And then puts some ice... I was like, that's ice. Is that ice? It was. I was he's, thrilled. He's genuinely drinking, wasn't he, basically? Just yeah, to get through think, the long scene. Was, yeah, I think so. You're right. It was so bloody long. He probably just <laughs> needed it. And then he talks about his father and says all he's ever cared about is power and money. That's literally everyone in this program um so it felt a bit superfluous to say that and she invites him to stay for supper he's like no so no no nookie on we go to the yard where jack is pleading for more credit from one of his suppliers because he's got this idea now that he's going to magic a client out of nowhere mr alice mr alice again another name i didn't need to remember but quite um, you see you're getting it now mr alice no literally someone it's rhubarb on the end of a phone it's not important And then Jack tells Bill that he's had a call from a retired retired admiral. admiral. <laughs> Is that a euphemism of some kind? Is no, it? no. He's he's a bona fide retired admiral. If you were an admiral, you'd retire to Howard's Way. You'd go to Tarrant. You'd go and this be is by true. the water, and you'd get yourself a boat. If you retire from being an admiral, are you still an admiral? Is, is it like a, an honorary or is it just a job description? No, I think... But he still calls him the admiral, doesn't he? Yes, admiral. Yeah. No, admiral. Mm, yeah. I just think they couldn't be asked to give him a name. So Fair enough. The Admiral's fine. <laughs> 
Right, it denotes his status, and yeah, I just I like the idea that he's not got an actual name. Maybe he's christened the Admiral. <laughs> Maybe that's what his mother called him. I don't know. The retired Admiral. Come on, the Admiral. <laughs> it's time for your breakfast cereal. So, <laughs> so that's so that's the things are looking up. A retired Admiral's yeah. probably got a few quid, yeah. so you know that's what's implied. Back on the yacht, Amanda is prowling, and she persuades Leo with her feminine wiles to go dry slope skiing with her. <laughs> At the dry ski slope. She, she does clarify that. Let's go dry slope skiing at the dry ski slope. And there's a nice bit of product wondered. placement for Southampton dry, dry ski slope skiing centre or whatever it's called, which is lovely, I thought. Uh, and not very BBC, a bit naughty of them. And then we go to fashion. So Leo wags off, basically. He's, he's wagging off a job she gave him anyway, so he might as well. Exactly. He's like there jawlessly painting her boat, going, your boat doesn't need painting. And she's like, mm, come dry slope skiing. I'm crazy. I'm wild. <laughs> I go dry skiing, slopes and seeing. Oh, it's great. It's really hard to say, isn't it? <laughs> so then we go to Fashion HQ. Now, I've never really been able to establish where this is because there's like a boutique, Perry Plus boutique, and it's sort of on a high street somewhere. And then, but there's this whole other building where Jan does like, it's like a warehouse, her and Claude, the now deceased fashion Claude. designer. They scoped it out and sort of and bought it. And it's like, oh, the light in here is amazing. It's like, it's a warehouse they've shoved a bunch of desks in. And yeah. she's got a little <laughs> corner office. Um, I don't, don't know where it is it's sort of like not on my tarrant map so anyway fashion hq anna arrives in sort of very fashiony green lovely clothing and headband to so she's arty and that's it it's her off of no problem i know you you're the actress of no problem no problem was channel 4's launch era a sitcom with an entirely black cast which was like a novelty at the time amazing Uh, except for her she was the chinese person i guess but it was good no problem i think i remember liking it and she was in it and then i went oh she's probably other things but that's where i knew her from yeah no 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 i mean she definitely got around i think she was in my head a picture of her dressed as a nurse as well i think she was in something medical something hospitally angels at the time wasn't Ooh, it, it might have been. I think that might be that it might be that yeah. someone will tell me on the on the old Twitter come and find us and tell us please glamorous she's beautiful and young and kind of green in more ways than one she's wearing green <laughs> but she's very she doesn't she's never had a job before she's fresh out of college Jan's dressing kind of like peacock she looks resplendent sort of carefully draped peacock fabric then she kindly tells Anna that the whole future of her business entirely rests on whether her designs are good or shit <laughs> which I thought was a bit much for her first day literally let her take her coat off or put her bag down no so basically we're trying to get some more money and if your designs are shit then that's not going to happen so right. <laughs> no pressure <laughs> yeah Jan's a bit insensitive sometimes it's really not not a good thing to start your working life with then we go to Relton where Avril gets a call from Charles inviting her to dinner on his yacht didn't mm-hmm. say it this time I didn't say it this time well done me well done. Um, the dinner on the you know what yacht and and she's like oh do you need basically someone to serve the drinks it's like no you're a managing director love you don't do that anymore uh, but he says he needs her feminine intuition he wants to know what she makes of Werner Herzog or Mr Truss or whatever his name is Werner um, Grunwald this time he was Werner yes. Grunwald Werner Grunwald <laughs> wants to know what he makes of him because he just can't, he's so European and kind of inscrutable he can't work out what oh. he's thinking he can't so be a baddie no man who speaks German could be an evil man <laughs> of course not no no then we go to the dry ski slope where, where the camera shoots <laughs> the camera shoots right through Amanda's legs, like down her skis. It's like, it's, imagine the cameraman's angle to get down there. It would have been quite oh, odd. Yeah. And then she kind of looks at him all fruitily and says, race you. <laughs> <laughs> and he falls over because he's crap. Because he's so crap. He just Complete rubbish. Down. So they do. It does look like, I wasn't sure watching it on laptop screens, but it did look like they were skiing. I'm not sure if it was yeah. stunt people or them people. Yeah. And they zoom down and they're both clearly good skiers. She does like a neat little skid at the end and kind of smirks and then he tumbles over which she finds very funny this is what i mean the dynamic is all like she wants to belittle him and control him and he's like yeah i'd like that 
So, so he's smiling by this point, and you know, I don't understand what's changed between him going, "Oh, you're really annoying and weird and stalking me," and "fuck off" to like, "Hmm, I like you now." Like, I don't understand. Maybe she hasn't really done anything to make him think that. But that's just the power of Southampton dry slope skiing. Centre. There's something in the uh, in the air conditioning. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah, you're right. Very excitingly, next. We're on a wooden boat in the marina and Jack is showing a mystery man round one of the wooden boats. Turns out it's the Admiral. Do you know who the Admiral is? No, I don't. I'm going to blow he... your mind. I hope you're yeah. sitting, you are sitting down. Um, <laughs> Michael Dennison plays the Admiral. He has no other name. Michael Dennison in real life. And just when I say this, it's all going to be like perfect in your head. Yeah. Dulcie Gray's frickin' husband. No way! Yep. Oh, but they get no so, scenes together. Yes, ah, maybe later, ah, maybe later. Ah, they have more than scenes together, my friend. <gasps> bom, bom, bom. Granny gets a love interest. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, she does. It's lovely. So anyway, this is not only is this an erotic scene because clearly this is Mr. Dulcie Gray and that's like in itself quite a thrilling prospect. Indeed. But also there's a lot of boaty, boaty talk. <laughs> There is a lot of boaty boaty dog. And then Mrs. David Seaman has vouched for them. So whoever Mrs. Seaman oh, no, was... Oh, no, no, no. Now I've realised who it is. It's not yeah. David Seaman. I'm disappointed now. I can't have that, that illusion anymore. It's Mrs. something Seagram, Ingram, Seagram, Seagram. Anyway, oh, she's, she's the yes. woman who commissioned a big boat from Jack and he hasn't finished making it yet because he's too busy going to the pub and smoking cigars. <laughs> but the boaty boaty talk is... Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. I, I was just listening and letting it wash over me, just really enjoying it. And they talked about how much does she displace? And he's like, oh, that. Uh, 12 and a half tons and he talk, talks about the sail surface area and stuff and then he just delivers the mother load Jack mentions casually I might install a roller furling Henson system which will make her ideal for a short-handed sailing <laughs> and at that point I fainted <laughs> I must admit I missed that particular tidbit come but on what I did get is that um, Howard Way was an aircraft designer originally yes he was yes uh, that was his like his good life Reggie Perrin thing was that he was an aircraft designer for a big company uh, his heart was with boats he wasn't happy he was the breadwinner but he was just like I want to give this all up have my midlife crisis and go and design boats for a little boatyard down the road and that's kind of what helped to ruin their marriage and then he ended up like putting all their savings into the boatyard as well which Jan wasn't very happy about Meanwhile, the Admiral, who is just to drive the point home, dressed in a white polo neck, navy blazer, with a little white hanky sticking out the top pocket. He looks good. Yeah, he, he does is look the good. retired Admiral of all retired Admirals. Yeah, and then, and then, because I think Jack thinks that Mrs. David Seaman has put this guy onto him. Turns out, no, it was Kate. He knew her before the war. Of course, she was Kate Wilder then. I bet she was. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly as wild as Sexy Dawn French from earlier. Right? I know, the yeah. wild women in this show. But um, I just love the idea that Kate's character, she's clearly a very spirited woman, but she's definitely got a past. And if you listen to the episode, I think it's the last episode of the last series of Always There, Jan tells some incredible stories about Dulcie Gray's past, hanging out with Noel Coward, writing oh. top-charting hits of the age. Oh, mate. She wrote a song called You Tickle Me Spitless Baby, and I'm mad about you. Yeah. That's, that's a that's fantastic. a real thing that happened. So I that's bet she was Kate Wilder. Yeah, I bet she was. So I'm looking forward to hearing tales of that. Then we go to Amanda's phallic sports car, her open top sports car. It's a Mercedes. I noticed for the first time. Did you notice the number plate? No, no, I didn't. No, what was it? Yow two. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. I think it could have been something a bit sexier. It's Y O W two. Don't know. Yow two. Clear, clearly a private number plate, but like, what's it saying? Yow. It's the it's the one they had available. That's yeah. What it I think was. that's what it's that's what it's saying. Yow one was taken. <laughs> but finally, I mean, for all for everything that's wrong with Amanda and her dreadful approach to seduction, at least we get a snog this scene. We did. Yes. Like finally, jeebus creepers. So she's been basically leaning at him like with her mouth open for like the last hour. <laughs> finally, he's like, oh, fine then. I mean, you're nearby. You're not, it's no effort to lean over. It's fine. So they kind of snog because yeah. that's what you have to do with someone as flaccid and impotent as Leo. who just sits there like, what is this thing called kissing? Just get on with it, mate. Get in there. Don't not you doing find anything me else. attractive? Most men do, was the line. Don't you find me attractive? Most men do. Yes. <laughs> okay. She's very sure of herself. That's for sure. So then we return to Charles's boat where Werner Herzog and Avril are sitting on the deck. She's kind of done up like a, I don't know, an Edwardian. She's kind of got her hair piled up on her head and like a a triple line of pearls around her neck and she's looking very sort of elegant. it's confusingly elegant. It's a bit like it's a bit Margot of the Good Life, but it's yes. also a little costumey. It's actually supposed to be something. <laughs> exactly, exactly. She could be in period dress. It's not quite clear why. And and then Charles hands both her and um, Werner Herzog a drink, and his looks like I don't know bourbon or something, and hers is a glass of water. <laughs> I just want her to like let loose and have a drink and relax. Like when Charles has a drink in her flat earlier, she's like, "Oh no, not for me." It's like, well, just have a drink, woman. Have a drink. You need a drink. You need to loosen up. You're on a uh, yacht with Werner Herzog. Come on. I know, right? Like, these are the golden times. Enjoy them. <laughs> Jump in. Then we go back to the mermaid boatyard exterior. These are always my favourite shots because you get to see the actual mermaid bust on the uh-huh. roof of the office. who's kind of thrusting herself forward in a, mm. nakedly. And then we go inside where Leo finds Howard's way, Mr. Howard's way. <laughs> Mr. Howard's way. Looking all sad. covered in stubble, looking very sad and saggy. They've really yeah. in- somehow increased his eye bags to look properly like yeah. he hasn't slept. And he's drinking whiskey pretty much straight from the bottle yeah. uh, in a paint shed where he now lives. <laughs> it's very sad. And there's a lot of going uh, explanation that I did appreciate. So Mr. Howard is drunk in a shed. Something to do with Avril. He's not got a woman now. He used to be with Avril. I thought he was with Jan. Leo is their son. Hooray. And then some acting, some proper acting. And he yep. says, love is never wasted, Leo. Remember that. And it was always act, act, act. It was very good. Yeah, I know. See, he's always such a philosopher, even when he's at his lowest there. But he's very sweet. <laughs> and then <laughs> I'm to get Leo fans. I apologise. There's just this moment where Leo's like, still, you've always got me. You <laughs> just think if that's the point, I just pick out the bottle and go, Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but Tom's very sweet and it almost looks like they're going to kiss and if you just tuned in at that moment and didn't know they were father and son you'd think oh they're going to have a little kiss that's nice oh no, no they're father and son that's no. not nice that's wrong that's wrong but then they um, hug 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 and that is where you'd end the scene surely y- yes no, then there's an awkward come out of the hug and some chat about flyers <laughs> yes <laughs> I've made some they, flyers dad the, the editor's the editor's scissors could have been done with there oh, I feel yeah. yeah and actually it's his dad made him redundant in the first place but there's no like oh I'm sorry I had to let you go son it's just like so what are you up to these days <laughs> it's like well since you fired me um, trying to earn some money also the yard does exactly what Leo's offering as a service like they right. refurbish and paint boats so they're now in direct competition much like Charles Freer and his dad but like in a much more lo-fi way oh there are um, parallels everywhere it's very well done uh, genuinely it's, it's all thought about it's all carefully planned then back at the Howard's house Jan is back home in her peacock dress I just really like that dress favourite one of the episode and she could hear the racing results on the radio See, in the dining room. Nana's got the racing on and rubber gloves on. She's tuned She's got her marigolds on because she's doing yes. the silver. 
because not only has she run the shop all day and cooked a gourmet meal, probably something with duck, or she's also polishing the silver because she can't be useful enough around the house. But it's funny, she's she's counting her winnings. Now, she doesn't explain whether they're theoretical or real, but she's supposed to have been a gambling addict and that's why she lost her house and that's why she's moved in with her daughter. So if she's still Ooh. gambling, I think as Jan, I might express concern <laughs> that maybe that wasn't going to end well, but maybe she's just doing it in theory, like she's just, she's pretend gambling. Jan's I just got business, so. business, business to think about and uh, her mother's gambling problems will have to wait. So then they have a little chat and Jan, this is the chat I was talking about where they're kind of proscenium arch, one at the front of the shot, one at the back, both looking towards... Yes. And Jan moans that she can't seem to get rid of Ken Masters no matter how hard she tries and think Kate says something wise and ultimately peppy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then we go to the Yacht Club where Jan... I've written here, my note here is, where's Ger- I miss Gerald, what's going on with him? <laughs> you miss Gerald, oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're probably worried about him because he's had a really tough ride this yes, episode. And he's, he's just not that's, happy. Just, we can't leave him there, but apparently we are leaving he's, him He there. smashes a vase and it's like, yeah. oh no, leave, yeah, leave him. That's his problem. It's really, he's clearly a very upset man. So Jack then comes to harass the Admiral yes. about putting an order down for a boat to no avail. Quite unsurprisingly, like he's basically stalked him there. Turned up at the Yacht Club. J- Jack's turned up suited and ready to kind of, you know, smooth talk his way into a business deal. He's, he's quite rightly told to politely, no thank you. Yeah. So yeah, the Admiral says he's not willing to commit right now. It's a bit of an odd scene, like it's not really for anything, but it just sort of takes some time up, so fine. <laughs> and we see the Admiral again, which is nice. Yeah, no, it's always nice to see him and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. Then there's a scene of Charles and Avril walking down the gangplank at night and they have a little to and fro about what did you think of Werner Herzog? And she's like, well, I just, yeah. I don't know. He's so inscrutable and European. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> he's Swiss. Think, I think he's Swiss. <laughs> yeah, I think he might be Swiss. And then they, they established that that was a pointless dinner and they're, they're none the wiser, basically. And then Avril points out that Charles is still trying to earn his father's seal of approval. For all of his talk about trying to best him in business, he's actually still, he just really wants his dad to say well done. And he doesn't appreciate that remark and says, good night, Avril, and slams her car door. very slammy and no kiss. They were heading towards a kiss then and just, that's it. I, again, I thought it's night time. It's Marina. It's gangplank. It's like, it's, you know, the moon is probably lighting beautifully. Is gangplanking a thing? Yeah, it's it's gangplank time. (laughs) Don't you ever say that, you know? <laughs> Come on, baby, it's gangplank time. <laughs> no, perhaps not. Um, <laughs> we'll we'll leave them not gangplanking in any shape or form and go to Highfield. This series, they keep giving Sir Edward the kind of closing moment because he's always yeah. got this sort of delivery that seems to match perfectly with a drum roll and then a jazzy outro uh-huh. um, so we go back to Highfield where Sir John is talking to Sir Edward he's agreeing to his terms Sir Edward reiterates the fact that he now Sir John has always worked for Charles he's like you need to stop with that shit because you're either with me or against me and then the closing line did you make a note of the closing line or shall I? I've written, we are buddies, ha, ha, ha. That (laughs) is what they say. That's the translation. If we put this through a translator, that's what they would say. Sir Edward says to Sir John with gravitas and and some menace, you and I are going to teach him a very expensive lesson. End of episode. Amazing. The funky version at the end is a bit Cagney and Lacey as well, is it? That's that's got the Cagney mixed in. That's a really good point. It is very Cagney and Lacey. I wonder if there's a way we could mash those two together. Probably not in the same key, are they? But yeah, it just always seems to punctuate the end of an episode so much better than the... 
which yeah. just yeah. sometimes, you know, wasn't quite beefy enough for my liking. Um, <laughs> thank you for going through that with me. And um, what did you think? Did you, did you want to know what happens next or you just not asked? I, I, no, I did. I, I, I think my main question is, was that a particularly typical one? Was that a, a zinger? Was it all right? It, it felt like a little bit of a, an ordinary-ish one, I'm thinking. It was a Treading Water episode in that there wasn't an awful lot of intrigue and they just keep setting up the sort of businessy stuff yeah. too much and not leaving enough room for the human drama, I think, personally. What I mean is there's not enough gangplanking. <laughs> there needs to be more gangplanking in this programme. There needs to be more at this at this juncture. We're three episodes in. Like, I need to invest in some relationships. We've got, I mean, I, I'm spoiling it now. We've got the Admiral and a bit of and a bit of Kate to look forward to. That's nice. Yeah. Leo's relationship with Amanda, well, that seems to be going now. But I don't really care, do you? I'm not asked. No. The thing, the thing that needs to happen, which is obviously going to happen, is that Charles and Avril need to just get this out of their systems, get on with it. She's exactly. she's pretending to resist him, but she really doesn't want to. She wants she wants back in there and somehow. So I, I'm I'm hoping that happens soon. I haven't watched ahead to the next episode, so I don't know. I can't remember. Oh. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I know you, you're not a natural Tarrant dweller, but thank you for coming and skipping along the gang, the gang, the gangplank, the pontoon. Thank you for skipping along the pontoon with me. It was delightful to have you. Thank you so much. I did. I genuinely enjoyed. It. I think it's the sort of thing, if you didn't take notes, I would have been very lost. But taking yeah. notes, it, it's a new approach to watching television now. I'm going to take notes all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I've ruined your experience of television forever. I'm so glad. And now, uh, Paul, I did mention at the start that you are not only a composer, but a singer-songwriter. Indeed. Who I, I can see, I'm looking at you now, surrounded <sighs> by microphones and professional recording equipment. Yes. So, would you like to have a bat at the closing theme? You know I would. Come on! <laughs> Paul Mosley, thank you for being always there. Now, obviously, after suckering me into thinking he was going to do one of his funny compositions, Paul Mosley, subsequently after this recording, sent me one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. So I hope you've got a a hanky ready to wipe away some tears, because here is Paul Mosley's version of Always There. funny stuff. Talk about something funny that they love. Because I remember as a kid thinking that's a really good old-fashioned gag, but it's also nasty. The actual VHS, this is clearly sufficiently important to me that this went to house moves as well. There is that that joy and that slight fear as well about who's going to say what. Everything from airplane to bottom. From when Harry met Sally to the Muppets. Trying is good, aiming high is good, being ridiculous and not being afraid of failure is, is Good. I think that joke is so fucking funny. Again, I just think this is hysterical. It's beautiful stuff. Rule of three from Great Big Owl. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.